Welcome to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. And welcome back to another podcast. We are on episode 63, season 2. And we have been talking about principles making a difference and principles make a difference. And looking at the research by the Wallace Foundation that is uh, their research study was how principles affect students and schools. And the Wallace Foundation did a lot of research. We've been compiling that and sifting through pieces of it. And like I've stated before, we're doing uh, small pieces of it for sure. Because you got to remember, this is a 136-page document, and there's actually more you can look up and find on your own. And I would recommend doing that. There's some really good stuff in this and we keep hitting uh, pieces of it and we've talked about leadership behaviors and the leadership behaviors that they said um, need to be evident are engaging in instructionally focused interaction with teachers, building a productive climate, uh, facilitating collaboration in professional learning communities and managing personnel and resources strategically. And then they said the skills that go with this are the people, instruction and organization. And under people, that was human development and relationship skills, caring, communication, and trust. Instruction was skills to support teachers' classroom and instruction. And then organization, uh, management skills that transcend schools and use of data, strategic thinking, and resource allocation, and so on. Um, Jumping ahead to some pieces I thought we'd also highlight on this episode... uh, they talk a lot about engaging in instructionally focused interactions with teachers and uh, you talk about it being uh, traditionally in the past uh, they've uh, kind of uh, principles have acted under the broad heading of instructional leadership and it doesn't have a clear definition so they talk more about what an instructional leadership uh, looks like and they talk about teacher evaluation And uh, a key point that I liked that they had in the piece on evaluation was getting buy-in and giving high-quality feedback. And I really got uh, into that myself as a principal as I started my own coaching and doing look-fors. And that's where I was able to really make an impact on the teachers and on the instruction more so than teacher evaluation, which is um, usually policy-driven and state-driven, and you have to follow your district's uh, uh, policies and procedures on that, and they don't always uh, build your teachers up, I guess you should say. And that's more of what we need to be doing is building our teachers up and strengthening their ability to provide effective instruction. Uh, let's see, pieces of this, they talk about deviations, of course, and positive impacts um, through teacher evaluation. But a lot of it, um, the biggest piece they keep coming back to is securing buy-in. And and then also to implement evaluation well. Uh, principals have to implement evaluation well and especially the teacher observation component. And from personal experience, you can't go in always looking. I mean, you look at, I look for evidence in categories in certain areas and make sure things aren't surprises and make sure 
Um, if it's a certain aspect of the instruction I'm looking for, uh, the teachers are aware of that, and it's not something you're going in trying to surprise them and and catch them with uh, doing something wrong and and trying to give them. Uh, I always wanted to give constructive feedback and suggestions that are applicable and not uh, not something that's just tearing people down because. Uh, in my opinion, a lot of the teacher evaluation is set up to do that many times. Um, they talk about the different range of effectiveness, and there's more things you may want to look at in that, and what they considered expert and novice uh, principles, and they can have different takeaways as they conduct observations, uh, even of the same teacher. And, you know, my past district did what they called collaboration. Uh, visits where we would get together with other principals and go out and do almost mock evaluations of teachers that knew what we were doing in other buildings. And then we'd get back and compare. And that was trying to get us a little bit on the same page uh, because everybody, of course, looks at uh, individuals through a different lens and looks for different things and has a different way of doing it. And then we could kind of calibrate and see how far off we were. And it actually was a good probably the most beneficial piece of that was doing the actual discussions where we kind of got around some of the feedback and um, what you actually saw and what you uh, kind of where you thought they landed on the rubric and the rubric actually made it a little more effective as well and then they talked about in the study they also talk about teacher feedback coaching and other professional learning uh, And they talk about uh, some of the pieces I talked about there too with uh, with uh, coaching and uh, doing look-fors. And, and they did show in their study that uh, one of the pieces was that uh, principal feedback to teachers improves classroom practice, which is positively associated with subsequent improvements in students' math, reading, and test scores. Um, and I would say that can. And if it's done right, it can uh, build your teachers up. And they talk about uh, coaching, showing gains. And then the, the piece they talk about with evaluation systems is that teachers do benefit from having a, a common framework of language. And we had a rubric that was uh, pretty solid and gave you certain things to look for although it was a pretty massive rubric. Uh, I still am into the coaching and look-fors. I think that was a, uh, the best. And they were talking about more evidence coming out on coaching right now and how much it benefits teachers. And still the skills needed by principals to give teachers meaningful feedback said mainly uh, they said even the possibility of a use of a checklist and I did have somewhat of a checklist within uh, the buildings I ran uh, because of the things that we looked for and we wanted to have as our model or as our framework for for teaching so we we had uh, what we called our base uh, of things that we would look for in teaching and that was the gradual release framework with model chaired you know guided and independent learning and then also uh, we used a lot of Schmoker um, practices and 
and of course uh, did a lot of uh, checks for understanding and a lot of uh, frequent feedback and descriptive feedback and made sure that we adjusted the learning as needed and then retaught. Um, retaught, that was kind of our base for doing the things that we did. And then we had uh, learning targets, so that strong learning targets. And those were things that I would have somewhat on a checklist as I looked into classrooms and asked students what they were doing. So that is a piece that I would use, and that's how I would use it on the things that we were using as expectations for the building to keep our achievement up. And then I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. They talked a lot about building a productive school climate, and we spend a lot of time on positive climate and culture. Uh, that is so important to establishing uh, a successful environment. And uh, and they said it was a pretty broad umbrella, of course, what they're considering climate. And they say the school climate refers to the behaviors and actions of people in the school who are members of its social system and in an outgrowth of of the more stable school culture, which is the shared beliefs of people in the school community. And then they said a strong climate is one in which all individuals in the school can spend their time engaging in a supporting effective teaching and learning uh, or effective teaching and learning elements that are typically present in a strong climate are collaboration, engagement with data, organizational learning, a culture of continuous improvement, and academic optimism, and that's uh, academic optim optimism is a great uh, way to put that. In that, um, doing whatever it takes and believing all can succeed, and looking at the positives, which we also talk a lot about on the show. And then they talk about uh, the three organizational properties of trust, uh, collective efficacy, and academic emphasis. And even though it's challenging that uh, principals can get the work done, of course. Um, and they talk about the impact that principals can have on that school culture and the climate. And that creating that school, that strong school culture and climate, uh, especially in high-need schools, can really make a difference. Um, And then they went on to say that uh, one set of studies connects school climate to teachers' instruction and students' academic outcomes. Teachers' instructional effectiveness improves more rapidly in schools with strong professional climates. In turn, school climates featuring an academic emphasis are positively associated with students' academic performance. And we've talked a lot about that on here um, on professionalism and treating them like professionals and um, developing that uh, joint ownership and uh, with all stakeholders. Um, they talk a lot about developing trust and sharing and that shared vision. And that that in itself uh, predicts higher t uh, student test scores. And principals are one of the main drivers of teacher working conditions, and that's for sure. And that positive climates predict uh, lower teacher turnover, which makes sense. Um, you want a, a climate or a culture that everybody wants to come to. And if it's not that way, people are going to be leaving for sure. And an indicator for districts is how many teachers want to transfer and how many want to leave and how many do leave. And if there's not a, a, 
regular attrition of uh, retirements and moving on to better positions and bigger positions and moving up and things like that. Um, look at the reasons if they're just moving to other buildings and going to different districts and something might be wrong with that building if they're running from the leadership, so to speak. A number of studies identify the ways principals facilitate and create a strong climate by organizing schools to help teachers and students feel safe, valued, and supported. Safe, valued, and supported, which are awesome goals in themselves. And it goes on to a lot of different things about uh, empowering teachers, um, which I highly believe in, um, and empowering and promoting leadership and shared leadership and delegating tasks to teachers, uh, selecting professional development experiences that generate powerful learning opportunities and promoting collaboration. And uh, teachers can also feel empowered by having access to timely data on their students and and they also um, are a part of the engagement. And they develop a climate. They talk a lot about the principles developing and fostering trust, which is an essential part of school climate and culture and positive student beliefs and positive student behaviors. And trust among teachers can drive improvement by building collective efficacy and um, making teachers more flexible and adaptive in approaches to improving student outcomes. And strong leaders cultivate trust by providing teachers with autonomy to try new strategies. My number one right there, um, allowing student uh, teachers to try new things without it counting against them. And that was actually in the study. So I'm going to read that again. Strong leaders cultivate trust by providing teachers with autonomy to try new strategies and risk failure. They create routines and structures that encourage collective action they also gain trust through demonstration of competence, including being visible, helping teachers solve problems, consistency, observation and feedback, and, and in their approach to discipline, and respect and support to staff. That was a mouthful, but a lot of uh, really good, um, effective practices right there. And uh, they go on a little bit more with climate, a lot of these things we've discussed before in terms of developing uh, professional learning communities, which again, uh, fosters and you collaborate uh, that, that, um, that learning community or of support around students, but also supporting the teachers within that collaboration and positive relationships, of course, improve student achievement, which comes uh, from the top down and throughout the whole school and the culture and the climate. And then uh, they state principals are also responsible for creating a culture of learning that permeates the entire school and facilitating instructional collaboration. Uh, and then they talked about a study that uh, explored leadership practices that promote instructional collaboration. Um, a lot of a lot of information about supporting uh, staff, supporting teachers, providing ownership. And then there's a piece about uh, managing personnel and resources strategically. Um, looking ahead and 
I was always looking ahead and thinking um, what teachers are going to be retiring, uh, what's going to be happening with our, our resources, some of the things that you need to uh, always think about for future goals and long-term goals and in terms of uh, setting up uh, future pathways. And then another uh, thing they talked about was uh, ex external social capital. They said evidence suggests that principals who spend more time interacting with parents, community members, and other stakeholders outside the school see higher reading uh, growth in their schools. And in this study, they said not math. That's interesting. Um, and then principals spending time on external relations showed positive uh, relationships with school accountability, performance, met uh, metrics and parents. I mean, it's true if you have the parents on your side and you have a partnership going, you're going to work better as a team to help that student succeed and help their children succeed. So I see that for sure. And then hiring, of course, uh, strategic hiring is extremely important, having the ability to hire the people that you need to. And um, principals do have some influence over teacher hiring and that has increased a little bit. They're saying it's increased and it has become less centralized. So finding the right people, of course, is a key. And like Colin saying, uh, finding the right people for that bus, of course, and putting the right people on that bus are extremely important. And then principals uh, face barriers to accessing certain information about uh, Applicant data, they uh, talk about a little bit. And having the right information for hiring to get the right people. Uh, more generally, they talk about studies come to mixed conclusions about the degree to which principals in the hiring process value evidence that a teacher will raise student achievement in some cases principles appear to place value on such signals. Um, principles in urban and low-performing schools report spending less time on hiring processes. Um, and they go on about uh, placement and some of the things of assignment. and strategically placing people. High growth schools place teachers more equitably within the school, matching high performing teachers to low achieving students. Uh, but analysis of classroom composition data tend to find that more experienced teachers are assigned to more advantaged students on average, suggesting that many principals are not using strategic assignment policies to pursue equity. And they go into a little more on that and retaining teachers and Teacher turnover rates are lower uh, with more effective principals, of course. Uh, sounds like a no-brainer, of course. Principals' relationships with teachers and their ability to build trust are important for teacher retention. Uh, so their ability to form relationships and their ability to build trust are important for teacher retention. If you don't have that, um, people are probably going out the door.
and it even uh, is more beneficial to decreasing turnover among the strongest teachers, it says. And high-growth schools are better at retaining high-performing teachers, of course. And effective principals, they end with the piece on effective principals are more likely to retain high-performing teachers. And then another piece I wanted to hit a little bit. Um, you might want to review or visit the study and look at uh, a piece. They talk about leadership practices and policies that evidence weighs against. So these are not good practices. And they talk about unproductive walkthroughs, post-observation feedback checklists, uh, licensure examinations, uh, some other things here. They go into some detail on that. You can uh, refer to the study and look some of those things up if you're interested. Um, and then they talk about leadership with um, with for equity. And they talk about accumulating body of research examines the principal's role in producing equitable outcomes across students from historically marginalized and non-marginalized groups. Uh, and you can read a little more on that if you'd like to get into that. And then the last thing I wanted to hit, um, I don't want to keep extending our podcast too long on this, but a lot of this stuff, uh, a lot of the material is excellent and does talk about um, uh, really good stuff. And they talk about supporting new leaders and uh, some of the what some of the different districts are doing with pipelines and inspired leadership courses and um, interventions to support principals. And we've continued to talk about this on the podcast. And then they get into the evidence on school principals and a lot of that stuff we've already kind of talked about. This kind of summarizes it a little bit. And I'm going to jump ahead because there was one thing I wanted to hit as we wrap this show up today. And get to my highlights here. I'm not sure if you can hear my mouse scrolling or not, but... They talked a lot about uh, effective pieces, of course. Now I'm not finding, of course, some of the things I want to share. But there are some implications that I want to... I'll highlight a little bit of the implications as we wrap up, effective principles are at least as important for student achievement as previous reports have concluded. And in fact, their importance may not have been stated strongly enough. And that's for sure when we talk about the culture and we talk about uh, giving the teachers the resources they need and treating them as professionals and having ownership in that data. The second one they cite is principles have substantially important effects that extend beyond student achievement. Um, and they link more effective principles to key student outcomes, such as reductions in absenteeism uh, and exclusionary discipline. And research also shows clear links between effective leadership and important teacher outcomes, including more positive teacher working conditions and reduced turnover, especially among effective teachers. 
And together with student achievement, these findings underscore just how crucial strong principles are in multiple, multiple dimensions and how critical policy efforts to strengthen principal leadership are for school success. And more districts need to spend more time on that. And that's what I'm trying to do now is actually work with different leaders and districts and help them develop more principal and leadership capacity within their ranks. Uh, number three here, effective principals orient their practice toward instructionally focused interactions with teachers, building a productive school climate, facilitating collaboration and professional learning communities and strategic personnel and resource management processes. And we talked already quite a bit about that, so I won't summarize that. And number four, principals must develop an equity lens, particularly as they are called on to meet the needs of growing numbers of marginalized students. And um, they documented that uh, public schools in the U.S. are serving growing numbers of students of color, economically disadvantaged students, English learners, and students with disabilities. And the shift actuates accents the need, accentuates the need, boy, I was tongue-tied there, accentuates the need, always there, but sometimes overlooked, for principals to approach their work with equity as a central concern. A growing body of research describes leadership for equity and the practice that characterize it, including how equity intersects with instructionally focused interactions with teachers, a productive school climate, and the other areas of practice effective leaders engage in. Um, and that's going to increase to uh, number five, effective principles are not equitably distributed across schools. Uh, if principles must develop an equity lens, we suggest that school districts develop one also. School districts undermine pursuit of equitable outcomes when they do not focus on hiring, placing, and retaining effective principles in schools that serve large numbers of historically minoritized students. Existing research suggests that such focus is missing in many school districts. Leaders in high-need schools typically are given lower practice ratings from their supervisors, are rated less positively by their teachers, and turnover at much higher rates, disrupting expertise accumulated with on-the-job experience. Uh, so that's an area that needs to change for sure. And then number six, principles are becoming more uh, racially and ethnic, ethnically diverse, but representation gaps with students are growing, which is concerning, giving the payoffs to principal diversity. Um, and they talk about the um, access to the principalship for leaders from racially, racially and ethnically diverse groups. And it's increasing slowly, they're saying, but it's not keeping up with the population which is changing rapidly, the students, of course, and the demographics. Um, and number seven, research on school principals is highly variable and the field requires new investments in a rigorous, cohesive body of research. And um, they are talking more about the complexity of the job and the diversity can be an asset, but creates challenges around making sense of such uh, patchwork of studies, which they kind of did here. They can combine uh, years of different studies and what needs to be done more in working in this field and looking at the principalship in general. And um, they kind of conclude with clearly principles matter and substantially so. It is incumbent uh, upon state and local leaders to find effective means to ensure that the right people find their way into the principal's office and they are appropriately prepared and supported to do this difficult work. 
Um, the education leadership research community must continue to probe principal practices, their effects on students, and the policies and the organizational structures that influence the role. And that was a mouthful, and we did quite a bit of wrapping up, but a lot of great information. I went a little bit longer um, on this episode, but wanted to kind of get to a point where we could wrap up the study. And if you want to pull up the Wallace study on how principals affect schools and students, um, students in schools, I mean, uh, please do so and look at that in more detail. And as always, I like to end with a quote. And our quote is, There is more to being a great leader than just doing a task well. There is communication, empathy, respect, and compassion. You do the last one well, and they will jump through hurdles for you. And that was Philip Mitchell. Uh, and as always... Keep building positive cultures and staying productive as a leader. And until next time, let's stay positive. to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrandAndersonConsulting.com.